Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is Prayer, Part 2, Give Us and Forgive Us, featuring Michael Davis. So uh, we began a new series last week called How to Pray. And maybe you've never even asked yourself that question. How are you supposed to pray? But we've all been skeptical of prayer, right? At some point in time in our life, we've all been skeptical of whether prayer even works. Does God hear my prayers? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Because we've all prayed a prayer before and not gotten the answer that we wanted. So how, how does, is prayer even working? Does God even hear my prayers? And we've all been skeptical a time or two about that. And so what we're doing is we're looking at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Because there was a certain point in time where, well, well, the disciples were traveling with Jesus and they're following him around. They noticed that Jesus prayed completely differently than they did. They came to a point in time where they saw Jesus praying, how he would go off by himself and how he would do it was completely different than anything that they had ever seen before. I mean, they recited memorized prayer. They, they recited the Psalms. They recited prayers that the Pharisees taught and their parents taught and that had been passed on from generation to generation to generation. But when Jesus prayed, he prayed completely different. So they thought that they maybe needed to ask him a question. And so they came to Jesus, and this is what it says in Luke. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples mustered up the courage and went up to him and said, Lord, could you teach us to pray? And I had to explain this to my wife this week because my wife was teaching the kids in the back last week, and she listened to the sermon and then called me, and she said, so are you telling me that there's a wrong way to pray? No. I said, I'm, here's the thing. I'm not saying that there's a wrong way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray, but what we're looking at is how Jesus taught to pray. And here's the thing. If I was going to learn how to play basketball, I would want to learn and play like Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan would offer me how to play basketball, I would listen to Michael Jordan. And that's what we're doing. There's no wrong way to pray. You can pray whatever way you want. However, this is how Jesus taught us to pray. And so Jesus dives into this lesson to his disciples on how to pray. And he didn't talk about it just once. He talked about it several different times. In the three years that they were traveling together, he, he gave them several lessons on how to pray. And so we have some, some conversations that, that Luke told us about. We have some conversations that Matthew tells us about. In your New Testament Bible, you'll have some conversations of what John, remember Jesus saying about prayer? And so last week, we kind of dove into this little bit that Matthew told us. Jesus said this. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door. When you pray, go into your room and close the door. And we talked about this last week. You mean I can't pray in traffic listening to Joy FM in the background? You mean I can't pray at work just telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, just come with me. I got some things to do, but you know, walk and talk with me, you know, Lord. You mean I can't pray while I'm mowing the grass? You mean I can't pray while I'm cooking? You mean I can't pray while I'm doing laundry? And Jesus would say, well, no. When you pray, you need to be alone. When you pray, you need to go into a room free of distractions. You need to close the door. And the reason that we talked about this is because when you pray, there is intimacy and privacy. Intimacy and privacy. You need intimacy and privacy when you pray. Because you need privacy because you need the, you need the space where you've blocked out everything else, where you can say what needs to be said to God, and God can say what needs to be said to you. You can't do that any other way but with privacy and intimacy. 
Because like I talked about, I used this illustration last week. When my wife calls me, when there's a lot of distractions going on, there's a lot of things going on, you know, whenever I, I, she calls me, I love my wife. And you know what? I don't want any distractions. I, I want to give her my full attention. And so I, make sure, I tell her, say, hey, I'll call you back when I'm in a place where I can talk to you. Because she deserves that intimacy. I want to give her that. Because I love her. And when we're talking to our Father in heaven, we're talking to God, we need that intimacy. We need privacy and intimacy. So we block out time and we block out space and we block out free of distractions. And you'll see how important that is in just a little bit as we continue on. And then Jesus also, he says this. So when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When we pray, we pray to our Father in heaven. We don't pray to our Lord God. We don't pray to Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus' mama. We don't pray to the saints. We pray to our Father in heaven. Why is that? Because he is inviting us into a relationship with him that is intimate he wants us, when we pray to him, to talk to him like our Father in heaven. And we talked about the tension that we feel. Some of us, we have a good relationship with our Father. Others of us, we don't. So there's that tension. What do we do with that tension there? We bring it to God. We bring that with us when we pray to our Father in heaven. Because he knows and he recognizes that. And he feels that. But when we pray, we pray to our Father in heaven. And when we do that, our reward is that we are seen. When you pray that way, he says, you will know without a shadow of a doubt that God is listening to you. And then he goes on, and he says this, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus talked about this. He goes, you know how people go on and on and on and on, and they babble, and they give this big fancy speech, and they say all these fancy words. He goes, that's not what I'm looking for at all. He says next in, in verse 8, he says, and do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. You don't need to have a fancy speech. You don't need to have big words. You don't need to go on and on and on. It doesn't have to be long. You know why? Because your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you even ask him. Which leaves us with a great question. Well, why even pray? right? Why even pray if he already knows what I've been through, what I would ask him, what I need? Why even pray in the first place? And we talked about last week, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And maybe why we pray, we've gotten it wrong. Maybe it's not that we need to bring our requests to our Father in heaven, but instead there's something else that he wants to do. And so when Jesus actually got to how we should pray, this is what he said. He said, this is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, the point of prayer is to not inform God. We're not informing God of anything. We're not bringing him our demands or our, our wish list of things we'd like to see happen. He knows all of that. And you know what? Before we even ask, he's already doing something about it. No, instead, if we look at that prayer, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We stop and we recognize who exactly it is we're talking to. We are talking to the hallowed name of God. We are talking to our holy King of kings, our Creator God, who has invited us to call Him Father. And the first thing that we pray, the first thing we start off with is, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, not what I want, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. 
We talked about this last week. The purpose of prayer is this. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it. When we pray, we are not bringing our will to God and demanding him to make our dreams come true. We are not coming to God and saying, this is what I want to see happen. And if I just believe enough and I have enough faith, I believe it will come true. No, that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is to align our will with God's will. And so when we come to prayer, the only, again, the only way this can be done is with privacy and intimacy. We ask our Father in heaven, Father God, is my will in line with your will? Is you, what is your will on this earth? And is there anything I'm doing that is getting in the way of what you want to see happen? And how can I be part of what you are doing here on this earth? How are you bringing your heaven here to this earth? What is it that I need to do? See, prayer, prayer is not about moving God, but rather asking God to move you. That's what prayer is really about. It's not trying to convince God that who you want to be saved needs saving. It's not to convince God to, to, to give you what you want. It's not to convince God to, to do something or to move in your life. Instead, what it is, is asking God to move you when we align our wills with our Father in heaven. Now, many of us last week were probably thinking, yeah, but when do I get to talk about me? When do I get to pray about my needs and my wants and what I've got going on? Well, this is the point in the prayer where you get to talk about you. However, there's a little bit of a catch. And so Jesus goes on, and this is what he says next. So as you pray, then he says, pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, most of you have probably not prayed this prayer, right? Because... How many of you really need daily bread? All of you look very well fed, right? You're all fine. I mean, you came into church today. You got your chocolate, mocha, jabba jabba chippy coffee thing, you know, and your donut and all this. And this wasn't even your first breakfast. Many of you, this was second breakfast. You're like hobbits, right? This was second breakfast for you today. You're laughing because it's true, right? This was second breakfast today. You're all well-fed. Your blood sugar is off the roof and everything, right? I mean, none of us really think to pray this prayer. None of us really think to need to pray this prayer. Give us the daily bread because we have daily bread. We have more than daily bread. We have all kinds of bread in our lives. And really, neither did the audience that was listening to this at that time. The, the, the Jews at that time who were listening to Jesus, the disciples who were listening to Jesus at the time, they didn't really need daily bread either. It's not that they were starved or anything like this. See, actually, when they heard this prayer, it was a bit of a callback. It was a callback to their ancestors, the Israelites, who traveled in the desert with God after they had escaped uh, slavery under Egypt and under Pharaoh. See, there's a, there's a point in time in the Old Testament where the descendants of the Israelites, they escaped slavery and they're traveling through the desert and they're traveling to the promised land, and how they were sustained or how they were kept alive is that every single day, God would provide them just enough daily bread. 
And so they would pray to God, God, you know, feed us. God, take care of us. God, take care of our nourishment. So every single day when they would wake up, God would provide just enough manna from heaven for them to have and to just sustain them. So they would come out of their tents, and they would collect just enough food to feed themselves and their families. It was just enough for that day, and then they would have to wait for the next day where God would provide, again, what they needed that day. And so when the, the disciples are listening to this, they know exactly what Jesus is talking about. They're talking about that point in time where God gave them just enough, just what they needed for that day. And God promised the Israelites, he goes, I'm giving you just enough, but there will be a time and, and period in your life where you will have more than enough. Well, you will actually have so much that people will come and they will borrow from you. And that day did come. And that day really is the day we also live in today as well. I mean, most of us don't pray for daily bread. We, we have more than enough. What's going on with the lights? Um, we have more than enough than we possibly need, right? We're, we're all fine. And so, but that's the thing that Jesus is trying to remind us of, is it's a reminder. It's a reminder to us that every good thing that we have, Every good thing that we have comes from God. Go ahead and go to that next slide, buddy. Every good thing I have comes from God. It's not done on my work. It's not done by something that I've done. Every good thing I have, it comes from God. If we're not reminded of that, it's very easy to become entitled, isn't it? It's very easy to think that I earned something, that I've deserved something, that I'm owed something which is a lot of what we live in today in this culture. When we have an excess amount of stuff, when we have so much that we, ha that we have plenty, sometimes we become entitled. And so Jesus gives us this prayer, give us today our daily bread, because it's a reminder for us to remember that we don't deserve anything, that every good thing that we have, it actually comes from God. But it's also a reminder of this, it's also a reminder to live within our means. That you know what? Sometimes having more isn't actually the best thing for me. There, there's, a, there's a proverb uh, that, that Solomon wrote. And it actually has this, same, uh, this idea of give my daily bread to me. Uh, so this would have been a little bit of a callback for the disciples. And this is what it says. He, Solomon, he prayed this prayer. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. This is from Proverbs 30. Give me my daily bread. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Only give me my daily bread. Now think about praying that prayer. Did anybody pray that prayer this morning? Did anybody get up and go, Lord, don't make me poor, but also, Lord, please don't make me rich. Instead, Lord, keep me in the middle. Like only give me my daily bread. That's not a very American prayer, is it? I mean, in fact, many of you, you pray for riches. You pray to win the lottery, right? You pray to, like, make it big. I mean, we pray to have more. We think, man, if I just, if I just got, you know, made this much money, if I just hit the lottery, if I just hit, did this, man, all the things I would be able to do. But, but Solomon says that's not the prayer that we want to pray, and Jesus would agree with him. 
God, do not make me poor, but also please do not make me rich. And then Solomon continues and he says this, Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. Solomon prays this prayer and writes it down for us today. And this would have been a prayer that the disciples would have known. That, you know what, Lord, would you please not make me rich, but would you please also not make me poor? Because there is a danger here that if I have too much, that I may turn to the Lord and say, what do I really need you for? I don't need you, God. Look at how well I'm doing on my own. Look at how much I have. And, and Solomon prays his prayer and he goes, Lord, I don't want to even be tempted with that. So, Lord, would you please keep me in the middle? Would you please keep me here? Because if I am in this position where I am poor, I may be tempted to steal, and that would dishonor you. But if I am rich, I may start to think that I don't actually need you, and that, that is equally as dangerous as well. Because here's the thing. We all know this, right? It keeps me aware of the propensity of God's blessings to lead me astray. When I pray that prayer, Lord, give me today my daily bread. It is a reminder that if I actually have too much, I may not have to put my faith in my Savior. That I may start thinking that I don't need God and I don't need to pray and I don't need to lean on Him and I don't need to surrender to Him today. But in front of me is this opportunity to pray this prayer. And when I pray this prayer, give me today my daily bread. Lord, would you please keep me in the middle? Would you keep me in this balanced position where I am not lacking, but I also I don't have too much? Here is this opportunity for me to declare my dependence on God. I have this opportunity to declare my dependence on God. Go ahead and go to that next slide. When I'm able to declare my dependence on God, I'm able to say, Lord God, I need you. I'm in this place where I can say, God, I need you so much that I am leaning on you today. I am surrendering to you. See, where I need to be is in need of him. Where I need to be is in need of him. So when I stop and I pray this prayer, give us today my daily bread. I'm saying to God, God, don't make me rich, but also don't make me poor. Keep me in the middle. Keep me in need of you. And you know what? For some, for some, for some of us, this is why sometimes God, I think, doesn't answer our prayers. It's because sometimes if he did give us everything that we want, we would abandon him. We would go on and we go, well, what do I need God for? And so God, for our own safety, doesn't answer our prayers, doesn't give us what we want. Because he's trying to keep us in that place, in that season of life, where we are having to constantly surrender and rely on him. Then he goes on and he says this in Matthew. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now here again, we're in this place where you know, we, we ask God to forgive us. But there's a little bit of a catch. Another way to put it is this. Another way to put it is, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. 
but only to the same degree that I have forgiven other people. Heavenly Father, would you forgive me of my sins, but only forgive me as much as I have been willing to forgive other people. Again, not a prayer that we would typically pray because we never think to do that. Many times we we run to God and we go, God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? But we never think that that actually has any part to play in how also we forgive other people. But Jesus says, oh, it absolutely does. It's very, very connected. Because remember, the greatest command that God gave us was to love God, but also love our neighbor. So what God did for us when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, to make that sacrifice for us, we're also supposed to love one another in that same way. And that also includes how he forgave us. Paul, he said in Ephesians, he wrote it down like this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. He says, love one another, be kind to one another, be compassionate towards one another. And yes, be forgiving, be merciful, be peaceful with one another in the same way that God has forgiven you. When we pray, again, privacy and intimacy is so very important because when we're alone and we we go alone, we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves a question. And the question is this, am I withholding the very thing I am asking God to gift me? Am I sitting here asking God, God, forgive me of my sins. God, show me mercy. God, would you be patient with me? God, would you help me get through this season of life? I know I'm not doing this well. I know I'm struggling right now. But God, would you please forgive me? But we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, is there anyone that I am not willing to give this gift to as well? Is there anyone, as I'm asking God to be merciful to me, to hang on, to, 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 to struggle with me through this. I know I'm not doing this perfectly, but, but please don't give up on me. Is there anyone that I am not willing to give that gift to myself? Man, if I'm unwilling to do that, if I'm unwilling to show that same mercy, that same, forgive, that same forgiveness, if I'm, if I'm not willing to offer that gift to somebody else, you know what I am? I'm, I'm being hypocritical, Right? I'm a hypocrite. If I'm asking God to do that for me, but I'm unwilling to show that to somebody else, that makes me a hypocrite. And Jesus takes this very, very seriously. He he says afterwards in this same prayer that he's praying, he he says this, and Matthew tells us, he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, but... But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Whoa, whoa hold on a minute. I didn't know that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, to, for me to think about that God will only forgive me as much as I am willing to forgive other people. But Jesus is trying to remind us. That when you pray is an opportunity. And again, this is why you need privacy and intimacy to think about this. Is an opportunity for you to ask yourself this question. Is there anyone that I am withholding this gift of forgiveness from myself? 
And it brings us back to what Jesus said about why loving God and loving other people is so important. Because the point of repenting is to not just to clean our conscience, right? The point of repenting is this. The point of repenting is to put you in right relationship with God. But, but, but to truly be in right relationship with God, you must attempt to be in right relationships with others. Now, I wrote this very, very carefully, okay? You must attempt, okay? You must attempt. Because we all know, right? I mean, we've gone to people before and said, hey, man, I, I got to come to you and I got to ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry, you know? And I was at Anchored Hope on Sunday and they, my, my, my pastor told me, like, if, if we don't work this out, God's not going to forgive me, okay? I'm not saying that, all right? Because you know that you'll go to some people and you'll ask for their forgiveness and they won't give it to you, right? They still will hold a grudge. They still will hate you. They still will be angry. But we have to at least make an attempt. Jesus, Jesus was so serious about this, he taught another lesson. He talked about when you go to, to worship God and to, to put an offering at the table, but if you remember that somebody is against you, that this is what you should do. He says this later on in another place. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. He says, if you remember that your brother has something against you, I mean, you've come all this way and you're, you're worshiping and you're in the middle of praying and worshiping and leaving your, your gift at the altar, but you remember you've got beef with somebody else? Well, get out of here. Get out of here and go fix that. You need to go make that right. That's how important it is. Jesus says next. He says, first go and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift. This is how serious Jesus was about this. Is that if we remember that we, we are in wrong relationship with somebody else, if somebody has something against us, we need to be reconciled to that person. We cannot be forgiven by God when we are unwilling to forgive somebody else. And if we've wronged somebody else, we need to go and we need to make that right. Otherwise, all we've done is reduce God to a conscience cleaner. And that's not, Jesus says again, that's not the point of prayer. And again, that's not how we were brought up, is it? Whether you're Catholic or you're Nazarene or whatever your background is, I mean, we were taught at the kids it taught us kids is you need to ask God to forgive you. You need to go into the confessional booth and you need to tell the, the minister everything that you've done wrong. You need to go to God and you need to get your conscience clean. Thursday night at teen camp, you need to run down to the altar and you need to get everything right with God. You, you and God need to get right with each other. This is what we're fed again and again and again. But as a kid, nobody ever told you, but look, before you come down here, you need to go talk to that person, right? Nobody ever told you, but before God can forgive you, before you can be right with God, you need to go make it right with whomever you've wronged. No. We go, well, that's their problem. If that's how they feel, I can't control how others feel. So that's, that's not my problem. But that's not what it's about when we're in a relationship with God, is it? I mean, God didn't say, you know, for, the, for they will know that you are, 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 are my child by how many times you run down to the altar and ask for forgiveness. No, that's not what he says. John tells us this. 
John says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How you interact with other people, how you love one another, that is how they will know you are my disciples. Because Jesus knew something that we don't always think about. It's that one day, we're all going to be together in heaven. And we're going to have to get along. <laughs> and we're going to be with one another. And we're going to have experiences and stories. And he goes, look, I, I, I have forgiven you. My son, he died on the cross for you. And I want to be in right relationship with you. But it is equally as important that you are in right relationship with one another. And it is so very important that you love one another. And that the same grace and mercy that I have offered you, you extend to one another. And if you're unwilling to extend that to one another then we have a problem. See, another way to put it is this, is God's forgiveness was a gift of love, but it cannot be accepted when hate is in your heart. God's forgiveness is a gift of love, but there's no way you can accept that gift from God if there's hate in your heart. And it's hard, too, to accept it, when you know that somebody hates you because you've wronged them. And Jesus says, you, you've got to take care of that. You've got to go and you've got to do something about that. And here's the catch as well. And this is going to hit home for somebody. Is sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the person you refuse to forgive is yourself. So sometimes the person that Jesus says you need to go and you need to make it right with. It's not even a someone, it's you. Because sometimes, no matter how many times God tells you, we're good, it's okay, I forgive you, you refuse to forgive yourself. And you torture yourself with what you've done. Nobody else is holding it over your head, but you do a really good job of holding it over yourself. Sometimes the person you need to forgive is you. Sometimes you need to accept who God says you are. So Jesus gives us this next lesson on prayer. And he says, so when we come to the Father, when we come to the Father in heaven, we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what is your will? Let me align my will with yours. Is there anything I need to do? Is there anywhere where I need to get out of the way? But then we pray this prayer. Give us today my daily bread. Lord, would you keep me in the middle? Would you keep me in need of you? Would you keep me in this place where I am not lacking, but I don't have too much? Because if I have too much, I may be, be very tempted to think that I don't need you. So, Lord, would you keep me in the middle? And, Lord, if I have too much right now, would you show me where it is I need to give it away? Would you show me where it is you would want me to be generous? Would you show me some places where I could kind of offload to other people? Because I don't want to be in that place where, where, where I have so much that I think to myself that I no longer need you. So only give me, Lord, only give me what I need for today. And then he says, and then forgive me, Lord, forgive me, but... Only forgive me as much as I am willing to forgive other people. 
So, Lord, see, there's this place. This is why we need privacy. We need intimacy where we need to be alone. Because to stop and to ask yourself these questions takes time. Like, if you think, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to hear from God. If you were in a room by yourself, if you had privacy and intimacy, and you stopped and you just asked yourself, you know what? Do I have too much? Like, do I have so much that I need to give some away? Because I'm just in this place where I don't really, I'm not really in need of God. Let me think about this. I mean, that's a good 10-minute think tank right there, right? To stop and to really think about that for a minute. Do I have too much? Do we have excess? Do, Do I need to maybe downgrade a little bit? Because I'm in this place where I'm just, I'm self reliant on myself. I mean, that right there, it takes, again, privacy and intimacy, alone time with God to figure that out and to answer that question. And only you can answer that question with God. But then also to sit there and go, you know what, Lord, would you forgive me, but only as much as I'm unwilling to forgive other people? Hey, you know what, is there someone that I, I have not forgiven? Is there someone that I haven't offered that to? Is there someone that I've wronged and I need to go make right again? privacy and intimacy, to think about that question, to answer that. Because many times we are so go, go, go that we don't even stop and think about these things. But Jesus says, take time, go into a room and close the door. And as you pray, pray this way and ask yourself these very, very, very important questions. And if you ask yourself these questions, and if you think on these things with God, you will find yourself in a better place than when you started. You will find a peace in your heart that you could not have had any other way. You will find yourself in a place where you are better off, that you are more like Jesus than when you began. So he says, so this is how I want you to pray. So let me ask you, have you prayed that way this week? Again, many of us, we know the Lord's Prayer. We could recite the Lord's Prayer. But have you ever stopped to break down exactly what it means and what it could mean for you and your relationship with Jesus? Maybe in the past, this is why prayer hasn't worked for you. Because you've never stopped and actually had the privacy and the intimacy to really dive into what Jesus wants to do through you praying this way. That is you to stop and realize and understand that it's not about the words that you pray. It's not about the length. It's not about it's not about going on and giving a grand speech, but it's about stop and stopping and asking yourself these questions. Lord, am I in the middle where I am in constant need of you? Am I in the in the place where I'm completely dependent on you, where I've surrendered my will and where I constantly need to put my faith in you in order to continue on? And am I in the place where I am not only forgiven by you, but I am in right relationship with other people as well? All of us need to take the time and all of us need to take the space to ask ourselves these questions. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, As we come to you today, God, we stop and we ask ourselves these very, very important questions. Lord, today we pray, as you taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Lord, would you not make me poor, 
nor make me rich. Would you keep me in this space where I am in constant need of you? Would you keep me in this space where I am reliant on you, where I am reminded that every good thing I have comes from you? But would you also, Lord, would it be a time to remind me to live within my means? Lord, if I am in a place where I have too much, would you show me where to give it away? Would you show me how to become, be put in a place where I am in need of you? And Lord, today, would you, would you forgive me? But Lord, forgive me only as much as I am willing to forgive other people. Lord, is there anyone that I have wronged? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? Maybe even myself, Lord, today. Lord, would you reveal that to me? Would you speak to me about that, Lord? Would I be in a place where I'm not only in right relationship with you, but I am in right relationship with the people around me? Because God, as you said, it is by how I love that I am recognized as your child. People will know that I am with you by how it is I treat other people. So God, would you reveal to me if there's anyone I've wronged, anyone I haven't treated right, so that I can make it right, Lord? Because I know that you are only going to forgive me as much as I am willing to forgive other people, Lord. So would you reveal that in my heart today? Lord, we pray this prayer in your precious name. And we say to you today, amen. If you'd like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to connect with someone from Anchored Hope, go to anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.